I want to talk to you all today and keep it in line with those instruments God provided for his church uh, regarding being equipped uh, to do battle. Uh, I was in the Navy, and I spent a great portion of my time with the Marine Corps as a hospital corpsman. There we go. Somebody know what I'm talking about. And uh, we spent a lot of time in the field. I don't think the Marines know what the barracks is. Uh, you live out there in the woods, and that's just all it is to it, or on a ship or here or there. And in the Marine Corps, you get your gear, your combat gear, your vest and your the plates that go on the front and the back and your helmet and your flak jacket and your weapon and all this, that, and the other. They called this the Kevlar. Get your Kevlar. And I remember on my last deployment, I was in a tent. It was bright. The sun had just come up, and something had happened outside the, the base where we were. And one of the Marine Corps officers ran in there and said, Doc, get your Kevlar. There's been an incident. And so I grabbed my Kevlar and, uh, and launched out to, to take care of this event that happened outside the base. And God knows what he's doing. And God provides his church not with physical instruments to fight the devil and the world and the flesh, but with spiritual instruments, things that is happening on the inside of us that was accomplished on Calvary. As a result of his death and his resurrection, we can be victorious in Jesus. I thank God for that. I hope that as this message goes on, you'll examine yourself. You'll allow the Holy Spirit to take a good look at you from the inside out. And you might not even have your Kevlar, your helmet of salvation. You may not know Christ as your Savior. You may know Christ as your Savior, and you left your Kevlar at home. Whatever your status is, you'll have an opportunity to get right with God before you leave. Somebody told me that the number one goal of ministry is change. If we don't change and conform our lives to become more like Christ, we're in trouble at the heart of our relationship with God. Why do you come here every Sunday? Why do you read your Bible? Why do you train up your children in the way that they should go so that when they get old, it won't depart? Wives, why do you obey your husbands as the Lord outlined? Husbands, why do you love your wives as the Lord outlined? It's because we want to become more and more and more like him. The Apostle Paul reminds us in Ephesians 6, uh, 10 through 20, uh, but more specifically in 617, he said, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. When we put our gear on out in the field, the helmet was often the last thing we put on. 
the helmet can be one of the most important items in your inventory, if not the most, to do warfare against the enemy. Our decision to follow Jesus Christ is a decision to join God in spiritual warfare, to join God in combating evil, and join God in spiritual combat. I didn't know all of that when I got saved. I just figured I got saved and my name was written in the Lamb's Book of Life and I'm good. I didn't know there was some work to be done. That there's an enemy out there against my soul, an enemy that whose side I was once on. But now, my eyes are open. I once was blind, but now I see. And now that I see, my ears are unplugged. I can hear, for the first time, God's voice speaking to me. (laughs) Saying, Marshall, suit up. Get Get your Kevlar. Like the people in Nehemiah's day, I got a place on a wall I need you to stand. You need to have a trowel laying brick and mortar with one hand and your weapon in the other, symbolically. So an invitation to join the Lord is an invitation for spiritual warfare. 2 Timothy, and some of the verses that I'll share, you might not have in your notes. You can just jot them in the margin. But it's an invitation to, to join God in spiritual warfare. 2 Timothy 3.12 says, Yea, and all those that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. You will fall under spiritual attack. Jesus said that we should be like cities that sit on a hill that cannot be hid. Amen. Jesus said we should let our lights shine. And we know in, 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 in literal warfare, especially at night, you don't walk around there with lights on. You don't want the enemy to know where you are. But in Jesus' army, he wants us to know that we know where he is and he knows where we are. And we're going to be victorious because we're, def- we're fighting a defeated foe. In 1 Peter 5, 8, we're instructed to be sober, be vigilant. To stay awake because our adversary, our opponent, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he might devour. Nothing has changed on the devil's mandate, on his marching orders. He's still doing the same thing. He's still devouring people. He devours church folks. Not to the point where you lose your salvation because he didn't give it to you. But he can take your witness And if your witness is tainted, okay, then you can be one who brings up reproach upon the cause of Christ. Brother Paul describes the armor or the uniform that each Christian must wear. The articles he described were no doubt familiar with the people. The Roman army perhaps was everywhere. It's like being down at Camp Lejeune. You see the Marines everywhere. You see the helmets. You see the flag jackets. You see the the vests. You see the... All of these things like that. The, the people, when Paul wrote those words, they could correlate because right outside the door was probably three or four Roman soldiers. Oh, that's what that means. And so uh, they were all over the place. So these articles, however, were not to be taken literally. In the contemporary English version of 2 Corinthians 3, 10 through 5, it says, We live in this world, but we do not act like its people or fight battles with weapons of this world. Instead, we use God's power that can destroy fortresses. We destroy arguments and every bit of pride that keeps anyone from knowing God. 
We capture people's thoughts through our lifestyle and make them obey Christ. We don't fight the battles the way 2nd Marine Division does. Okay? Our enemy is just as real, but we fight the battles nonetheless. We fight the battles with faith. We fight the battles with fasting. We fight battles with prayer and praise and worship. We fight the battles with fellowship. Okay? Jesus said, well, just two or three of you are gathered in my name. I'm going to be in the midst of you. If one of you can send a thousand to flight, two of you can send 10,000. We don't fight the way the world fights. The world sees us going through difficulties. Christians go through difficulties just like everyone else. Christians wind up in hospitals just like everyone else. But when they know you're a child of God, they watch and see how you handle this adversity in your life. And sometimes they'll come up to you like the old saying and say, brother, sister, you know, Marshall, don't just stand there, man. Do something. And we hear God respond. Don't just do something. Stand there and wait on me. Wait on the Lord, David said, and be of good courage. And he will strengthen your heart. Wait, I say on the Lord. To the outside, it may look foolish. What did the Bible say? The foolishness of God is what? Wiser than men. Praise God. Ephesians 6 not only describes the articles we must wear, but we get the idea that once we put that gear on, we're not to take it off. Paul said, put on the whole armor of God. Nowhere in the word of God is it even implied that we should take it off. You've got to, you got to sleep with your gear. Amen. Okay, you get up with your gear. You eat chow, or uh, what do you call it, lunch with your gear. Everything with your gear. Because the devil is roaring lions seeking who among men he can devour. Job, in the book of Job, we read where the Lord asked Satan, where are you going? The Lord, wasn't that the Lord didn't know. I'm walking up and down the earth and to and fro. He wasn't on a sightseeing Oh, let me go over here and check this out. He wanted to see who among men he can devour. And so we need to put that armor on and keep it on. Wearing the armor of God empowers the Christian with the might of God. It's not by might nor by power, but by God's spirit that we're able to be victorious over the enemy. We can't fight the devil on our own. We simply can't do that. We need the whole armor of God. Every piece of that armor has its place and its function. It doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, how sharp your mind, or how dull your mind. You, when if, if, when you engage the enemy in spiritual warfare, if you go in there incomplete, you will fall just like Goliath. Goliath was mentioned only in one or two verses in the Bible. We ain't seen and heard from him since. Where's the guy? Oh, he's, he's dead. He's been dead. Okay? We need to have on the whole armor of God so that we can stand. When we enter the uh, uh, spiritual warfare under the strength of the Lord and under those things that he provided so that we might have the victory, we will have the victory. Amen. Okay? Prior to going into battle, Sometimes David and others will ask you to read it in the Old Testament. Lord, shall we go up? Shall we engage the enemy? If God is not with you, you're in trouble. You're in trouble at the heart of your relationship with God. God does everything with a purpose. 
The armor we read about in Ephesians 6 is symbolic of a greater work that God has done, is doing, and will do in our lives. We're instructed to put the whole arm of God so that we can stand. Nowhere are, 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 are Christians encouraged to retreat. All of the field exercises I went to and in these notional war games we used to play in the military, none of them involve retreat. All of them involve victory. We won. Who did? We won. We, and who wins in the end? We win. The church of God will win. Because the battle is already fought and the victory is already gained. Praise the Lord. Pastor Rick uh, preached last Sunday on having the belt of, of truth uh, around you. And he said so well that the devil is a con artist and a liar. Imagine standing up somewhere and, and doing uh, some verbal tay-to-tay back and forth with somebody you know is lying. And up to no good. I think of Eve in the Garden of Eden and Adam. If you read that story carefully, Eve never did tell fully what God said. From the get-go, the words that came out of her mouth, they appeared right, but they were wrong as two left shoes. The, the devil came in there. He knew he was wrong. He, he Listen, I'm going in there lying. But he came in there with an agenda. And listen, as far as we know, the effects of that encounter, we still feel today. But greater is he that's within us than he that's within the world. One of the final articles of clothing the believers to wear is a helmet of salvation. In the army, the helmet protects the soldier from blows or injuries to the head. The helmet of salvation is really a representative and reminder of God's power through the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. God's power through the ministry of the Holy Ghost and God's power through the ministry of his word. That's why it's so important that we study and we read God's word so that we can rightly divide God's word of truth. What does that word rightly divide means? It means make a straight cut. You won't do like Eve. You'll say, here's what thus saith the Lord. I know what I'm talking about. Praise the Lord. So our brains are our master organs of the body. If we suffer a blow here, everything south of here is in trouble. We can have problems in a, in a spiritual warfare perspective uh, with regards to uh, holding up our shield, the shield of faith. The Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please God. We can have problems with our breastplate of righteousness that was imputed upon us through the atoning work that Christ did on Calvary. We can have problems with our feet being shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. We forget why we're even in God's army. It's possible. You can get so tangled up with looking back, you don't know what's in front of you. Praise the Lord. So we need to... Uh, always be on guard for our spiritual heads. An injury to your head spiritually is really an injury to your mind. And that's what the devil is after. If I can get inside of your head, it's over. It's a, and it's going to take the Lord to get him out. It's going to take the Holy Ghost to get him out of there. 
You, you, you think you had warfare and let them in. Wait till you try and get them out. It's possible, though. Okay? Because the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And I, listen, some, this is where we learn to experience God is through adversities, through trials and tribulations. This is where we know and discover who God is. And what he can do is when we find ourselves with our backs up against a wall. Spiritually speaking, when we've been dealt a blow to our head, we suffer from spiritual brain damage. A head injury can cause us to forget and even forsake our walk with the Lord. 1 Timothy 4.1 says that in the last days, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. How can you fall back so far to embrace the doctrine of a devil, having once walked with God? That's a dangerous place to find yourself. Because what many will find out in the last day is that you never belonged to the Lord in the first place. Lord, help you. Lord, help you. The purpose of the helmet of salvation is listed in Ephesians. Put on the whole arm of God that you can stand, that we can be resolute and intact as we do warfare against the enemy of our souls. The helmet does not provide you with salvation. The blood of Jesus Christ provides you with salvation. The helmet is symbolically reminding you that God is with you. Another definition of that word helmet means circle of protection around your mind. Around your mind. It gives, the helmet provides us hope and protects the mind against anything that would disorient the Christian. When our spiritual heads or our minds become damaged, our spiritual helmet, that circle of protection is broken. And now there's a breach there's a gap where goodness rush out and evil rushes in. The Lord told who in the Bible, you all remember? I'm looking for a man, Ezekiel, to stand in the gap and to make up the hedge. We need to protect our minds. We need to protect what we see. Uh, and we protect about what we see, what we, places that we go, the things that we do, the people we hang out with. My grandmother used to tell me, come here, don't hang out with them boys. They're up to no good. I wanted to go where they wanted to go. I want to see what they were doing. You know, I always told myself, I'm not going to do what they're doing. I just want to see what they're doing. We know how that worked out. I wound up doing what they were doing. And I wound up paying for it. One little boy ran back and told my father, if I see him now... <laughs> you remember what you did to me when we were six years old? You know what my father said? Praise the Lord. So when our helmets, when our spiritual heads are damaged, our minds become damaged. And this breach uh, is often caused by things that we're very familiar with. Bitterness, unforgiveness, habits that we have that we know doesn't please God. We look at things on TV we shouldn't look at. We go places with, with friends or family we shouldn't go. And each time you're taking a blow to your head, you're taking a blow to your head. And if you're not careful, that circle of protection gets broken. It's not that God is not able to keep you from sin. God provided the remedy. 
of what to do and what not to do and where the power comes from to make the right decision. But sometimes, you know, the old song, I'd rather follow Jesus, sometimes we'd rather do what we rather do. And we pay a price for it. We pay a tremendous price for it. So the Bible says in Ephesians 6.12, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual wickedness in high places. We wrestle or strive and struggle our minds against the world systems. There's legislations that is in governments around the world that are passing laws of things that are contrary to God's word. What are you doing about it? What impact is that having on your, your circle of protection? Every one of us has a helmet of salvation. Every one of us. You can't rely on my helmet. I should take comfort and pleasure in the fact that my grandmother knew the Lord. If something happened, I'll just run to grandma. If, if this goes down, I'll just run to my grandma. She'll hook me up with a prayer or something. Something to eat, if nothing else. <laughs> but I realized I had to have a helmet for myself. And I had to buckle it and not leave home without it, so to speak. The mind encompasses our thoughts and our imagination, our reasoning, and our intellect. If the enemy can get into that control center, he can do a lot of damage. And we see that through fallen pastors. We see that through other fallen church leaders and fallen Christians. You may not be known by millions of people. You may be only known by a few on your neighborhood. They may know you're a Christian, and they may know what you did last summer. And that may be a reason that they not serve God. I don't want anybody to miss heaven and go to hell because of something they saw me do or something that they heard me say. I don't want that on me. I just don't. There was a time in my life where I didn't care. You know, Marshall was there. Yeah, I was there. You know, Brother Washington, yeah, I did it. So what? Not anymore. My mind has been changed. I've got this helmet on with this circle of protection around me. I've got the blood of Jesus Christ. I've got the ministry of the Holy Ghost. I've got his word. I don't have to go to that place anymore. I don't have to let my past haunt me anymore. I can live victoriously. So if Satan gets in our mind, he can wreak havoc on our will and our emotion. So, and we need to take great care in, in protecting our minds. In seeking a relationship with the saved and unsaved in Revelations 3.20, the Lord said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man would hear my voice, open the door, I will come in and I will dine with him and he with me. There's another truth about that scripture. Satan knocks too. Jesus is not the only one knocking. The pattern you see in scripture is that there's a parallel to the truth of, of, of God's word. Something that seems right, but the end of it is the ways of death. Part of wearing God's helmet of salvation is to operate with discernment. I know that knock. That's not the Lord. Okay? I don't even need to peep out through how we used to do back in the day, peep out the curtains. My mother used to tell me, peep out there and see who it is. That's the devil. And he's going to stay out there. He's not coming up in here. We need to know that we have the, 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 the ministry of, of our discernment. The devil knocks 
and we need to discern the difference. The, Pro- the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12, there's a way that seems right unto a man, but ends in ways of death. Jesus said in John 10, 27, he said, my sheep know my voice, and a stranger they will not follow. The devil knocks too. We need to be careful. Imagine with him knocking and you left it out in the car somewhere, in the basement. Or you can't, like your keys half the time, you can't find them. You're in trouble. And there's no telling who you're going to let into your life. I remember one time I was, uh, one of my collateral duties at a job that I held, I was uh, an HIV counselor. And uh, after I had broken the news to this person, they banged on their fists on the table and shoved the desk towards me and said, I knew it. I knew it, but I didn't listen. I knew it, but I did not listen. That, that person, I don't know all the circumstances, but clearly their circle of protection was busted. They left their gear at home, their helmet at home or wherever. Maybe they never had the helmet of salvation. But somebody had imparted truth into this person's life. And they knew which way that they should go. And they chose differently. God still loves that person. God still has a plan and person, a, a purpose for that person. Christ died for that individual. And some of the greatest opportunities for ministry I had when I was in the military was with HIV people. I loved it. I loved it. I love to see God move. I love to see God love people. It encouraged me. Praise the Lord. So the armor we read about in Ephesians 6, of course, is, is symbolic and of what God is doing in our lives. And so we need to be very careful to guard our hearts and our minds about the places and things and people and conversations and things that we have. You get a check in your spirit to do or not do something, that could be the Holy Spirit telling you, hey, 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 remember you got this circle of protection. Don't go that way. Don't hang out with that man. Don't hang out with that woman. Don't do this. Don't do that. Okay? Follow Jesus and don't look back. The helmet does not provide us with salvation. The blood of Jesus accomplishes that. Praise God. I'm so grateful. So how do we maintain this circle of protection around us with gear that we had uh, when I was with the Marine Corps? You had to maintain the gear. You had to clean it. You had to inspect it. If something was torn or broken, you turn it in, you get it replaced. You've got to maintain it. And so it is we need to maintain the circle of protection. Isaiah 26, 3 says, Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on Jesus because we trust in him. God will keep it. What is perfect peace? That means peace upon peace. That means peace like you've never seen before. If you keep your hearts and your mind through Christ Jesus our Lord. The helmet of salvation, uh, the circle of protection represents the assurance of our salvation. The helmet, this helmet will wear out and get lost. Somebody's liable to steal it. Don't tell them what happened to it. But the helmet that God gives you, nobody can take it away. Except you take it off and leave it somewhere. Praise the Lord. So God is our refuge and our strength. He's a very present help in a time of trouble. So we need to draw close to God while we can. 
Take full opportunity of God's presence and the power of his word and just stay in the presence of God. My dad used to work out on the tracks, Chicago Transit Authority, or the, the, uh, you know, the public transportation, the trains. And he says, Marshall, while I'm out there, sometimes I just talk with God. I just enjoy the opportunity to bring my petitions to him, to hear his voice and feel his presence. I was a little kid when he used to say that. I didn't understand what he meant until I had a little kid. And I had trials and tribulations in my life. And God, I knew the value of talking with God. We need to study to show ourselves approved unto God as workmen who need not to be ashamed so that we can rightly divide the word of truth. We don't have to be afraid of the enemy who might kill our bodies. But to be afraid of him who can destroy both body and soul in hell. Okay? While we are faced with adversity, we're often gripped with fear. And we simply remind ourselves that greater is he that's within us than he that is within the world. God's salvation is ongoing. An eternal state that his children can enjoy in the present. It is daily protection and deliverance from our sin nature and, and, and the devil's schemes. The devil does not stop working because it's after six, okay? That's probably when he started working the hardest, when the sun started going down, okay? So we, listen, we need to be ready in season and out of season. Every season, every day is a day for spiritual warfare, and every day is a day that we can experience victory through Jesus, all right? We're fighting a defeated enemy. In John 19, 30, Jesus cried out on the cross, Tetelestai, it is finished to bring to an end. These are not the words of some helpless person hanging on a cross begging and pleading for, a lie, for his life. These are the words of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. These are the words of our Redeemer, our Healer, our Savior. Satan knows that he's defeated. He also knows that there are people within the body of Christ who don't know that. And when he's roaming around trying to seek who he might destroy, that's in part who he's looking for. Amen. This man doesn't know anything. And that was me at one time. I told you all the last time I spoke. I didn't know nothing past John 3.16. And yes, Jesus loves me. That's it. It took some time for me to get my act together. And part of that happened through rubbing elbows with good Christian men and women. Satan knows that most of God's children don't understand that. We must learn to keep our helmets buckled and secure, and that to know that we are secure in Christ Jesus. We have to renew our minds. Our minds are battlefield. The outcome of those battles determine the course of our lives. Paul said in Romans 12, 1 and 2, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Present your bodies. Usually when you sacrifice an animal back in them days, he didn't come out the same way he went in there. He didn't come out. That, it was a one-way ticket. But we're to die to ourselves every day, every day. So there's less of me and more of God. And be, not transform, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't be pressed into shape of this world, but be transformed. Let your mind undergo a metamorphosis. And that way you view your body differently, your physical body differently. You want to kind of halfway take care of yourself. 
you know, maybe my grandmother was right. Eating vegetables is, you know, something I should do uh, or what have you. You know, you want to spend time in God's word. You want to spend time in prayer and praise. This wonderful opportunity to worship the Lord here we had this morning. Beautiful. Don't let it just end here. You can do the same thing at your house. You can turn your TV off for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, and lift up your hands at home. And I do that. I thank God for that opportunity. Put my phone in the corner somewhere, which I lose it <laughs> after I do that. And I lift up my hands and I worship God because I love him and I want to be more like him. We, can, we need to reject doubts uh, that arise from our circumstances that we often find ourselves in him, into. Uh, we're not capable of rejecting doubts. The power of the Holy Spirit will enable us to uh, uh, reject those doubts. Hebrews 11.6, it says, without faith, uh, it is impossible to please God. We need to believe that God is who he says he is and that he can and will deliver us. We need to remember that this world is not our home, uh, that we're just passing, we're just passing by. Uh, we need to remember that uh, the victory is already accomplished and that we're fighting an enemy who's already defeated. When we consider ourselves dead to sin but alive to God in Romans 6.11, we eliminate many of the opportunities that Satan uses to entrap us. When we choose sin, when choosing sin is no longer an option for us, we recognize ourselves to be new creations in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. We need to remember that the battle is already won. Our hope is in Lord. Psalm 73, 25 says, uh, whom, I have, whom have I in heaven but you? Besides you, I deny, desire nothing on earth. Jesus said that he is the way, he's the truth, and he's your life. You cannot rely on anyone else for victory. You can't rely on anybody else's helmet. I remember when I was in the Navy in boot camp, we had swim qualls. Swim, I knew I was out there out just from that word swim. And we had to just float and do some other things in the water and this, that, and the other. And uh, part of it was go down. The pool was 14 feet deep. Go down to the bottom, touch the bottom, and just come on back up to the top. And it made it sound so easy. They said there's divers in the water, and there were. I saw them in there. And there was a guy on the edge of the pool with a stick, a long pole. He said, if you go down there and you have any trouble, he's going to put that pole down there. You grab hold to it, he'll pull you out. I said, well, you know, Lord, help me. Again, I didn't know past John 3.16 or, you know, too, too much. And if you didn't make it, you, you, didn't, you, you got put out the Navy. You didn't make it any further. And so came my turn to sit on the edge of the pool and go down there to the bottom, touch it, and come back up. I went down to the bottom, no problem. I passed that part. Check. Washington on the bottom. <laughs> Coming back up, though, that was a problem. I came up halfway, and I saw the stick, and I reached out and grabbed it, and the guy up at the top let it go. So me and the stick on our way back down. I did remember one scripture. Put not your trust in the Son of Man, in whom there is no help. I did get that one. I said, Lord, I'm not going to make it. 
I can't swim. What am I going to do with this stick in 14 feet of water? Thank God. Somebody grabbed a hold to it and pulled me out of there. I'm going to tell you, can't nobody, like the old song, do you like Jesus? Okay? My hope, my trust, my belief, my, 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 my desired outcome that would please God is in Christ Jesus. Not in some guy on the edge of a pool holding a stick. And I begin a process of realizing I need to experience and know God for myself. Okay? I may find myself in a situation where I need rescue from something else. I can't rely on some guy, you know, on a 1-800 number. I remember one time I was in, in, a, in an emotional fix, a lot of stuff going on. And a popular pastor, I called his 1-800 number to get a prayer through. And the line was busy. And finally, when I got through, the recording came in and said, the prayer bank is full. I remembered the words of my mom. Marshall, you got to know the Lord for yourself. And I turned my face to the wall, and I said, God, here I am standing in the need of prayer. And God heard me and he answered me. We need to wear our helmets every day. Our minds to become more and more insulated against the suggestions and the desires and the traps of the enemy that he lays for us. There's no room for the enemy. You can't wear the enemy's helmet and God's helmet. They don't fit. They don't go together. You need your own helmet, the one that the Lord provides. We need to choose to guard our minds from excessive worldly influence instead of, of thinking on, uh, and the, uh, instead think on things that honor Christ. In doing so, we will wear our salvation as a protective helmet that will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. When the spiritual battle takes place in our minds, it's the place that we give God that matters. Sometimes... When you find yourself in a situation, it's too late to go get consecrated. Amen. It's too late to go run off and call on brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so to pray for you. Amen. We need to make haste while the sun is still shining, Amen. while we're able to serve God and experience God in ways that we had not experienced or known him before. God is good. God is good. You might be here today and not know the Lord as your personal Savior. You may be here today as a child of God, but you left your helmet someplace else. And the circle of protection that God has given you has been broken. I don't know what your circumstances are, but I know that God is able, that God cares, that God loves you. I know that the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses you from all unrighteousness. David said, today, if you will hear his voice, don't harden your heart. As in the days of provocation, when God was tempted and proved and they saw his work. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit any longer. God will give you a fresh helmet. He'll give you a reissue. He's not going to, you lost it, you pay for it. It's your problem. Like in Second Marine Division. God loves each and every one of us. And God cares for us, so much so that he gave his life on Calvary. How can we escape, the Bible says, if we neglect such great salvation? So 
as we prepare to close, if we can have some music. I don't know what your situation is. You know what it is. God knows what it is. Years ago, uh, Brother Lauren Barton, uh, Felicia Barton, Pastor Rick's daughter's husband, Pastor Rick's son-in-law, was up here ministering with the choir and praise and worship. And he, we were singing and the Spirit of God was moving. And he stopped everything. He stood up. He said God had put a word on his heart. And he shared a scripture, I believe, was from Lamentation. And he said that about pouring out your heart like water before the Lord. Pour out your heart. What an opportunity. You can't pour your heart out to everybody. Some people just want to know your business to cause your spiritual warfare to go up. You wonder why in the world things are getting worse. Come on up. If, you, if, you, if I can get the, the altar workers and uh, we're going to do communion and then we're going to have a time where you have an opportunity to pour out your heart like water before the Lord. God is good. God is good and he has been so good to us. Loved us enough to give us everything we need to be victorious, to live victorious life. Let us stand. the altar workers would come forward. We're going to prepare to take communion as well. This is another symbolic act that we do. We do this in remembrance of him, Jesus, to show forth his death and his suffering until he comes again. Christ is coming again. Let's be ready. The bread represents his body, which was broken for us. Jesus said, take and eat ye all of it. Let's take and eat. And the wine or the juice represents the blood that was shed on Calvary for the remission of our sins. Drink ye all of it. I'm so excited of what God did for me on Calvary. His amazing grace, His blood that was shed for my sins. If you feel You need, that you need to come forward. Come forward and have an encounter with God that could change your life, that could change your destiny. You need to pour out your heart like water before the Lord. Come on up and pour it out like water before the Lord. Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you for this day. Thank you for the word. Thank you for the helmet of salvation. Thank you for the security that we enjoy through your son, Jesus Christ. Father, we just pray that the Holy Spirit would, would just continue to, to keep us and speak to our hearts and strengthen us and bring these things back to our remembrance. And Lord, I don't know the status of people's hearts here, but you do. 
And I know that you sent your son to die for them on Calvary, Father God. I know that greater is he that's within me than he that's in the world. All those who come forward and all those who pray silently where they stand, Father God, hear and answer their prayer, Father God. In the name of Jesus, we pray. We thank you for what you've done and what you're going to do. Thank you for loving for us. Thank you loving us. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for dying for, uh, for us, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Be glorified, Lord, as we leave this place in Jesus' precious name. Amen.